Welcome to episode 109 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samples. I left my career at the end of 2014 to pursue speaking and coaching full-time. Every course I purchased, and there were quite a few, stated how important it was that I identify my ideal client. The typical exercise proposed in these programs. Think about your favorite clients, the ones you love working with. What are their characteristics, et cetera, et cetera. But I was in a pivot and I knew that the clients I'd worked with from 2009 to 2014 were not the clients I wanted to be working with going forward. Finally, a year ago, after my first book was released, I started to get an answer to this ideal client question. Although to be honest, they found me way before I recognized them. I told my friend and mentor, Dora Clark, that I was going to pilot an online program. Her prophecy, you're going to learn a lot. Truer words have never been spoken. Despite a sales page that was written to attract the wrong kind of clients, my ideal clients showed up to be part of my pilot group coaching program. They knew me personally and knew I had skills they could learn from, writing sales pages not being one of those skills. Before I launched the second cohort earlier this year, I made changes to that sales page, incorporating video testimonials from the pilot members, still having no sense who my ideal clients were. Despite 250 people clicking to check out my sales page, I'm good at marketing, that's for sure, no one clicked to schedule a call with me. While that was happening, five people who I would later realize were my ideal clients reached out for help launching a podcast, launching a book, or just general help with business strategy. Like I said, I couldn't see it. Finally, I realized that all the people who took my pilot last fall and reached out for coaching earlier this year had some things in common. One, I liked working with them. Two, I could help them. Three, they were all going through a transition in their business, launching a book or a podcast, looking to create their first one-to-many product, starting a business after leaving corporate, or looking to speak more frequently. And they were all entrepreneurial women in their 50s. When I get asked why entrepreneurial women in their late 40s, early 60s are my ideal clients, I usually just say, they found me. But I know there's more to it than that, and I appreciate that they see me as someone they can trust. Perhaps it's because one of my very first blog posts and podcast episodes was titled, When Will Women Win the Right to Pockets? (laughs) But seriously, once I recognized this was true, I reached out to a few of the women, and after months of trying, easily fill the four spots for my second cohort. Fittingly, my online program is now called the MORE program for entrepreneurial women. MORE stands for money, opportunities, referrals, engagement. And what I teach them is mindset, offering value, relationships, and energy management. So if you want more of this, you need to do more of that. Your challenge for this week. Is there a type of person that keeps asking you for support? Is there something everyone goes to you for for your advice? It's really hard to know thyself without taking into account how others see us. Pay attention to these trends, and when you can, notice the patterns. Within those patterns is really valuable information that can help you grow your career or business. Try this and let me know how it goes. Now, on to this week's show. 
Today's guest believes that everyone should have access to equal opportunities and wants to see talented professionals succeed in their career. To achieve this, she helps organizations be more diverse and inclusive so that everyone's talents are utilized and valued. She's an author, keynote speaker, and organizational consultant. She also serves as a business school adjunct professor teaching courses about women in leadership, organizational behavior, diversity in organizations, and leadership and ethics. She was the 2017 Diversity and Inclusion columnist for Training Industry Magazine and is the author of The Power of Perceptions, Leadership, Emotional Intelligence, and the Gender Divide. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Sean Andrews. Thank you, Robbie. It's a pleasure to be here. That's a mouthful, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Sean, thank you so much for joining us from Orange County, California. Um, This is a show about leadership and networking. So let's start with leadership. How would you define leadership and when did you realize that you had the skills to lead? Uh, Wow. I love the question. Um, So, you know, leadership has a lot of definitions. Um, You know, obviously, you know, we've heard, you know, visionary, someone who's strategic or has passion and integrity. But I think in my mind, what a a real leader is, a true leader is someone who inspires others to follow them Mm -hmm. based on their respect of that person or their admiration of that person. So there's a name for this. It's called, it's a type of power. It's called reverent power. And it means that we choose to follow someone who we res- because we respect them or because we admire them and not necessarily because they have formal authority or they're in a, pos- a legitimate you know f- position of power and, and actually a lot of times I think a true leader influences without authority and so um, so I was thinking that about that because I, you know I teach leadership in in, 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 uh, in the courses I teach I teach this and but it's I think a true leader is really someone who people want to follow because they respect them, not because they're scared of them, not because of hierarchy. So, yeah. Uh, Do you think that there were some early examples of that? Were you that person early on? Like, what were you like in the beginning of time? You know, like, are you, are you the person who sort of stepped forward to get people to sort of take them in a certain direction? And they were like, yeah, let's do that, Sean. Or were you kind of stepping back and watching the room and trying to figure out kind of how everything was situated? No, actually, I, I actually could share with you a funny little s- story about that is I realized that that I, I'm the type of person who steps forward um, and 20 years ago uh, when I first got my when I got my MBA. 20 plus years ago, we had a, what's called a workshop weekend. It's like a, a live-in residential weekend. And so we went to this hotel and it's, it's a you know, whole class together and we're really doing team building and kumbaya and all that. And what I realized is that for every single exercise we had over the weekend, I was the first person to initiate. Uh. <laughs> and I, and I, I start looking at this thinking, why, why am I always the first one to speak up? And so uh, at the very last day, we had we had to share our takeaways, and my takeaway was that I always initiate and I always step up. And so um, I realized then that I had this kind of this inherent um, leadership potential where I, I wanted to you know get the ball rolling. I wanted to to, to step in and take charge, um, even if I didn't have that formal authority. And then I actually saw this play out. Um, in reality, when I got my first corporate job in, in the pharmaceutical industry, is I started as a sales rep for Merck, and um, I, I made myself um, um, a, kind of a go-to expert because of my knowledge base and my passion around it. And I found that my 
peers started respecting me and listening to what I had to say and following me because they respected me. And so, so that actually, I saw it in action and I saw it play out. And so uh, that, yeah, so I realized that's, that's a core piece of my personality and it's something that I enjoy doing. I enjoy initiating and then I enjoy taking, you know, a leadership role. Now, if you think back though to grade school, high school, were you still the first to raise your hand even back then? You know, uh, I was thinking about that. So I was a big softball player, you know, all through high school. And, you know, I, I, I don't recall taking a pronounced leadership role on the team. I was just a teammate. Um, uh, so, you know, surprisingly, I don't, I don't recall myself doing that, um, you know, uh, consciously. And then, uh, I had, you know, a couple, couple jobs during high school and, and I don't think of any standout, uh, leadership uh, initiatives I took there. It really wasn't until I, uh, well, I should step back. I probably have always initiated, initiated in, in my relationships with my friends and family. In a school, I, I did tend to initiate things, but I, I didn't see it as leadership until, until I got into the corporate world and got my first, uh, my first pharma job. Is there somebody that you saw those in those early years uh in some sort of leadership role and you were like that's the kind of person I want to be was there someone who was influencing you or mentoring you directly you know uh for me my sister is actually always been my role model she's almost to the day 10 years older than I am uh, my sister Terry and she I've always followed in her footsteps and even before, I didn't realize this until, you know, 20 years ago, but she has always been my mentor and my role model for leadership. And oftentimes for women in particular, you know, when, when we look at the top, we don't always see someone who looks like us. You, you know, we don't see women in leadership roles very often compared to men. And so for oftentimes for women, we need to look to our family members, our friends, and even, frankly, even the media, you know, TV and movies, uh, a lot of women look to characters there but for me it was my sister and unfortunately um in my family she was the first one to go to college and so hey I had to follow in her footsteps <laughs> so I did so I was the second one to go to college and then I I continued my education and you know she got into the corporate world and climbed the ladder and I, I did the same and and then um yeah so she's always she's always been there for me e- even on a subconscious level um I think she's she's been my role model to follow I think that piece you just said about women, it's so important. And for some reason, what just flashed in my mind was Murphy Brown. And I think it's because it's coming back. The show, <laughs> the a reboot of that show. And I just think how at that time, it was um, a really pronounced difference in how a woman was being portrayed on TV, how she like owned her position, you know, and, and took charge and, and had, had, you know, authority and also just sort of like leadership. Like she knew what she wanted and sometimes she had the authority and sometimes she just knew what she wanted and uh, told people and they, they made it happen. So, um, you know, you're right. We do have to sort of sometimes look elsewhere. And it's great that you, this is something you're teaching. I'm curious, how do you approach teaching leadership if you feel like it's almost as amorphous thing about trust, about being a, a person of your word and about having a vision? Like in, a, in an academic setting, how do you tackle... Um, they're almost virtues more than yes. tasks. Yes. Well, and often, and, and 
oftentimes we don't think of leadership that way. When I taught, uh, and you mentioned it in, in the introduction, Robbie, but when I, I taught a leadership and ethics course, and that course, even for me, was was eye-opening as the instructor for it, is I, I, I you know, I got a great, you know, academic ethics book, leadership and ethics book. I studied it, developed the syllabus, but then during, even during the class, during our discussions, we got really deep on, on the, the virtues, the values, the virtues and the ethics behind leadership and, and realize that that, that is a, it's a key distinction and it's not always black and white. It actually, it's often gray and, and even the best people who have the, the highest integrity can be corrupted by power. And, and so we, we looked at uh, several different case studies around that, and it was really eye-opening for me as well as the students is that, um, you know, we, we, I think most people like to think of themselves as um, having integrity and, you know, being a good person and being a, a good leader and role model. But uh, when you're faced with a, a, a potentially questionable ethical situation, you know, we, we don't always react like we think we would. Yeah. Integrity is how you act when no one's looking. I mean, right? Like it's, it's not doing it because of other people. So I, it's a hard thing in the, to know how you would react in those moments. It's interesting to, to have a space like that it seems so valuable. It's part of the reason I really like asking this question because, you know, I have so many different guests come on uh, sharing different perspectives of what it means. And obviously everyone who's come on the show, I think it was a leader in some way or they wouldn't be on the show. And yet so many of them don't really claim that for themselves, again, because they are not leaders in the formal way. They're, they don't have necessarily people working underneath them, particularly as entrepreneurs. Um, but, you know, I think of it as like you're swaying other people. You're taking them in a certain direction. Um, you have a vision and other people are following you. Like, I, I love hearing people's expansive definitions of leadership. Uh, so I'm curious, as you're thinking about this, what what's most rewarding about the work you're able to do today? How would you, how, how yeah, what do you, what's the joy that you're getting from this? <laughs> well, that's a great question. Uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm following my passions now. I, I really am. Um, so I worked in the corporate world for 20, 22 years in the pharmaceutical industry. And so, uh, you know, I did sales roles, I had some marketing roles and I did a lot of training and development roles and I loved it. I, I really enjoyed the corporate environment. But my some something was all. I've always been entrepreneurial. I've always had that aspect of me, um, and I just you know some examples. I've done fundraising a lot. I, you know, I'm a musician. I'm a drummer, and you have to be entrepreneurial to do that and to you know, book gigs and things like that. And then I've always been interested in speaking is is one of my main platforms because I love to educate and inspire from the stage uh, to, to the biggest audience possible. And I've always I've always liked that. And so what I enjoy about what I'm doing now is that's what I get to focus on is speaking as, as a self-employed um, speaker and, you know, consultant. Uh, I, I get to focus on uh, my passion mm -hmm. through speaking, but I also get to talk about the topics that matter to me, which is leadership. It's women in leadership and gender. It's, um, it's diversity and inclusion and, and it's even the different generations, you know, how, how, you know, looking at the global d demographic trends and how they're changing, we are mm -hmm. becoming more diverse as a global society every day. And I find that fascinating because the, the face of our, 
businesses are changing every day and companies that don't keep up with that are not going to be competitive. They're not mm-hmm. going to attract the, the best talent. And, and it's interesting because uh, to look at because the millennials and even their younger brothers and sisters, Gen Z behind them coming into the workforce, they're making an impact and they're changing the way we approach work. And I think it's a very positive sign. And so it's, it's, um, it's it's energizing for me to be able to talk about those topics. Yeah, and you've you've been able to in a short amount of time create some amazing platforms for yourself. I mean, um, this uh, 2017 column that you had writing about diversity and inclusion for Trading Industry Magazine um, must have given you like a, a prominent space to to post and share new ideas and and gather and attract people to you. Um, how did you how did you get to that space? from where you were? Like, how did you know this is where I want, this is the direction I want to go in and, 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 how, and who are you going to even talk to to get there? <laughs> uh, you know, so when I started my, my, um, my doctorate in 2010, so when I started the doctorate, I was working in corporate. So I was full-time job, full-time school. And I knew early on that I wanted, I, I'll tell you what led me to it is the statistics about women in leadership first started being published about 10 years ago in the mainstream media. So when I first saw the stats that said uh, women make up half of the workforce, if not more, women make up 60% of all bachelor's degrees in the U.S. and Europe, uh, and, and women make up majority of professional occupations, you know, like physician and attorney. So you see these big numbers now where women are there, they're in the workforce, they're getting education, but then you look up at leadership and we see on average 5% female CEOs leading. And that, what what really struck me about that is that that number, despite all the progress we think we've made, that number has barely budged in 30 years. And so that, that actually is what really, it kind of got under my skin and, and it made me want to study it in my dissertation research. So that's what led me to the, the leadership and gender uh, topics. And then um, emotional intelligence is another part of my research. And the reason I looked at that is I've always been fascinated by EQ and how it's a key driver of our success, not only mm-hmm. in work and in leadership, but also in life. You know, So it's not about IQ. So an average IQ person, high in emotional intelligence is going to go a lot farther than someone who has high IQ and low emotional intelligence. Right. So that fascinated me. So basically what I did, Robbie, is I put it all together and I studied it in my dissertation. And so that led me to where I am today. But then the, the diversity and inclusion piece stemmed from that. And so the more, the more talks I was giving and the more writing I was doing and research on you know, the, the women in leadership piece, the diversity and inclusion piece started coming out more and more. Mm. And so that's when yeah. I started getting more interested in, you know, age, race, ethnicity, you know, generations, uh, LGBT, you know, and how does, you know, diverse workers impact our, our workforce today? And Wow. That, I love this journey because it's, it's so clear that you sort of just following the thread as it unraveled. And yet, if you look back, it probably looks like a, it makes more sense <laughs> maybe than in the moment. Um, so I know that all this sort of culminated, at least to this point, in a book uh, that I mentioned at the top of the show, The Power of Perceptions, Leadership, Emotional Intelligence, and the Gender Divide. And 
Um, congratulations on writing a book. I now know how hard that is having finally done it for myself and I'm poised to write a second one. Um, so yeah, tell me a little bit how you, is is this sort of like everything you were taking from your dissertation and trying to think of how to share it in a, in a publicly consumable way? Is that, was that the bridge for you? Uh, that's the main bridge. Yes. Uh, and actually I'll hold the book up for in, in case this, you know, gets shown. Yeah. Uh, so that's, the, this just came out in March. It just recently launched, but um, the dissertation was the main seed for the book that, and I wanted to get the word out, but you know, it was funny, Robbie, I thought, okay, I've done the dissertation, writing a book will be a breeze. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. Uh. <laughs> it took me a full, probably a year and a half to write the book. And even though I've done, I had the research behind me because when you write a book, not only do you have to make it appeal to the general public, but, but because I have a background in training, I also want to make it applicable and practical with strategies in every chapter. And I wanted to give stories and examples. So to do that, it takes a long time. So Looking back in hindsight, my dissertation, that was a piece of cake because I was, you know, and anyone going through that process right now, I I don't mean to minimize it because it's a lot of work, but you're basically following a recipe when you, when you write a dissertation, a book is totally different because you have to figure out what direction you want to go in. It's got to be interesting. It's got to be engaging. Um, you know, so there's a lot more factors. So I, for me, writing the book was much harder than my dissertation. And I had to do, oh, geez, probably 10 times more research because uh, not only do I include my own research in the book, but it's the research of many others in the leadership, EQ, and gender space. Oh, I, I can't get my wait to get my hands on it now that you're saying this because I actually hadn't had a chance to pick it up. And you and I talked a little bit beforehand. I knew what it was about, but just hearing you describe what's in, in there, um, I'm hoping people will check it out. We'll have a link in the show notes so, so people can go right to your Amazon page and get it. Um, I'm I was really intrigued because the book that I'm going to write next is on diversity uh, as we build our personal professional networks. So sort of the importance of having diverse networks, and then examples of how to go about building them. So I've been asking lots of questions of people as I've been doing this show about sort of how do they think about their own network. And so I'm, I'm kind of curious for you, as you're now becoming more and more steeped in, in diversity and inclusion, and I'm sure equity and action and all the different pieces of that, um, how do you think about your own network as you've been expanding it from it being the world of corporate to now more entrepreneurial, like you probably have more entrepreneurs around you, but you still have the academics side of the equation. You already have a bit of diversity just from those three spheres, but, but how intentional are you in developing that network? Yeah, and actually networking, that one piece has changed dramatically when I shifted from corporate to entrepreneur. Uh, so, you know, in the corporate, you know, I thought I thought I networked a lot when I was in corporate, you know, I'll connect with you on LinkedIn, but that was it. You know, uh-huh. there really wasn't a lot of networking going on. You know, there's, there's occasional conferences and, and meetings and such, but uh, as an entrepreneur, I've, I've made a, I've consciously um, gotten more involved in different Facebook groups. So uh, entrepreneur groups, speakers groups, um, authors groups, and also uh, leadership groups. So there's, there's four main groups that I'm, I'm involved in, and I've never done that before. 
Um, other things that I've done is I've gotten more involved at the local level in my mm-hmm. local community, which I hadn't done when I was in corporate. And so I've, I've started uh, attending uh, NABO, which is the National Association of Women Business Owners. I've attended uh, local chapters of um, like SHRM and ATD, training and HR conferences, um, you know, Orange County Professional Women. Those are just some examples of things I've gotten more involved in. And, and it's been great because I've, I've met people out there who are more on the entrepreneurial side. You know, maybe they're in their second or third career. And it's been great to, to connect with them. And so I've, I've, found, I've found these populations, these networks now that I, I didn't know was out there and I wasn't a part of before. So the, the networking has changed dramatically. And, and I, you, yeah, was there a mindset shift that also changed for you about what it means to network? Yes. Uh, I realized, well, one thing I realized is I had to get more proactive. Uh Uh, you know, when you're in corporate, you know, you meet people and you connect on LinkedIn and that's it. But, uh, I didn't, I didn't really leverage my network. Like I should have, uh, I had a network. I just didn't leverage them. But in the space I'm in now, the journey I'm on now is I, I, um, I have to be proactive and intentional with reaching out to folks. And, and what I found is everyone that I've met, um, you know, set up calls with, um, had discussions or even, you know, met over coffee, I've learned something from everybody, mm-hmm. everybody. There's, there's, there's one, at least one thing I could take away from everybody I've talked to. And that has really helped, helped me in my business to, uh, kind of, you know, change your, change your mindset, change yeah. your mindset about being an entrepreneur. Do you think that as you've created a habit of going to these, that what you get out of them has also then been, um, I don't know, more, more robust because you, you are you getting more intentional about what you want out of these spaces? You've named so many wonderful local organizations you're a part of. I imagine you go to conferences. You know, you and I are actually going to a conference in like a week. So we're, we're going to see each other at a conference, the National Speakers Association uh, Influence Convention. Are you becoming more intentional about those spaces, about what you want out of them and who you want to meet? And like, what's that journey been like for you from like, Connecting on LinkedIn was basically the entire <laughs> transaction to what seems like relationship building. Yeah. Um, you know, the NSA, it's funny you brought that up, is that that was intentional, but it's always been on my, to, at least on my to-do list as an entrepreneur. I've always had it there. I've just hadn't, I've been waiting for the right time. And so just recently I joined as a member and this will be my first time attending uh, the mm-hmm. influence conference. So I really look forward to it because as I mentioned earlier, my main platform is speaking, you know, I, you know, educating from the stage. And, and I think this is the perfect venue for that. And so I was intentional about joining the organization and attending the conference. Um, and then uh, just to give you another example is, as I also made a conscious decision to step away from some of the organizations I've been associated with long-term, some training and development organizations, um, even some um, healthcare organizations, because I was in training and in pharmaceuticals, those made sense when I was in corporate, but uh, I just made that decision actually this year. And um Recently, uh, not to renew my membership for some of those organizations because even though they are value added, um, I'm I'm moving into a different space as an entrepreneur and as a speaker, and so that's I traded. I've actually traded what used to be my my main networking venues for 
for the NSA and, and entrepreneur. That sounds pretty intentional just like that. Even having a moment where you take stock of where you're putting your money, time, and energy and recognizing, well, it doesn't really make as much sense for where I am and where I want to be going. So I'm going to make this shift. So, all right, we, I'm going to put you on the hot seat here. You're, you're days away. We are days away from going to this conference. You know, do you know why you're going and who you want to meet and what inspiration you're looking for? And you have sessions <laughs> flattered out. Did you, you log into the app? Active <laughs> on the Facebook community? Are you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Fun. Show me what you're doing here. <laughs> you asked me that Robbie and just just for your listeners you you have no idea what what I just occurred today I mean that that question was totally impromptu uh so I just had a call before this this podcast uh with my buddy Uh, I was assigned a buddy because I'm a first-time member and so she and I just just talked and just met for the first time and so on my to-do list between now and Friday is to do what you just said is to look at the app and figure out a game plan of the workshops I want to attend and, and, and um, uh, you know, map everything out because there are definitely some topics I'm, I'm interested in learning more about yeah. as, a, as a professional speaker. So I'm going to layer onto that assignment, some other assignments for you. Um, because I think that, um, and this is my soapbox, Sean, you got to know that. But I think that what conventions and conferences do is they convene people. They do have content. And the content has to be pretty good for people to like, you know, leave their house, (laughs) travel across the country and go to them. But you can get content anywhere. And for the cost of this conference, you could hire a coach for a few sessions. You know, you could go to an online webinar, do a day session near your hometown. Um, So I always try to think of like how, if I'm going to leave the house, how can I make sure I'm actually meeting people? So I want you to set some intentions around that around who are you having breakfast and lunch with? I know I've arranged for us to get together uh, with other members of Dory Clark's recognized expert groups. So that's going to be on your agenda, which is awesome. Um, but but that's the kind of work kind of layers us on. And even your first year, um, there's some great opportunities. Like there's a first timers reception. There's a lot of community groups that you can kind of go to and find people. It's always kind of like a find your people and say hello to people you ordinarily wouldn't get to meet. It's a little bit of both um, to keep like engaging and diversifying your network. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great point. Um, and, and other than taking away content is um, I want to build relationships because these, these people I'm assuming are, are my, my peeps, if you will, you know, yeah. they're, they're, this is, these are people, other people who want to be professional speakers and make a living at it. And so uh, I think I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think I'm going to enjoy it. Um, I don't know yet who I want to build relationships with because I need to look at the yeah. agenda and the workshops and, you know, explore I, the web, website, but I, 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 that's, I will, I will, I'll work on that homework, Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I have, I have a little takeaway for you then. Okay. And this will also help anyone listening who has conferences coming up. It's what I call uh, small networking moments at conferences. So you go into your next breakout session, you get there a little early, you know, because you don't really know anyone in the hallway and you're like, that's a little bit vibrant chaos. Let's go into my next session. It's still another 10 minutes to go. And a lot of people do that, but then they get on their phone and they sit as far away from everyone else in the room as they can and they kind of busy themselves in their phone. And if you see yourself in those moments, choose to go say hello to people in the room, like sit next to someone and say hello, because they're, those are your people. That's an easy way to find them. They chose the same session as you out of all the sessions that are happening concurrently. 
They also came out of the hallway to sit. <laughs> so they probably are looking to say hello to other people. And I would say 99 out of 100 times, that has been a great way for me to engage with people. Um, afterwards, when everyone queues up to say hello to the presenter, I kind of talk to the people online. And the whole point of this, Sean, is to leave walking out of that room with people because mm. you don't want to walk out by yourself back into that hallway or on your way to the lunch break. And then you still just figure out who to talk to. But if you walk out with a person or two, you have that shared experience. So that is a great way. And you can do it on the line at the Starbucks in the hotel lobby, but <laughs> it's a little more hit and miss <laughs> on whether it's going to be valuable. But those people, I think, would be a great way for you to make connections. That's fantastic. It's a great suggestion. Yeah. All right. So I, I want to know, as you're building your network, your network's become tremendously... Um, I, it's wonderful because you, you've, you've been expanding it. You've got the corporate people you still know. And I'm sure rooting you on as you're doing this, you've got all the academic folks that you, you got to know as you're doing your doctorate. Now you're meeting more and more entrepreneurs and speakers and coaches and authors like yourself. Mm-hmm. How are you nurturing not, your, not just your closest connections or like that next layer out, but like the layer even beyond that, like that third level out, the people that you might meet at a conference um, people you might connect with a little bit online. Like, how are you nurturing the connections that are the weakest in your network? Well, I think um, reaching out is the first thing. Is is being proactive um, because you know we all have we all have those second and third degree connections that you know are, are maybe weak connections that we don't really have a relationship with. But you know, reaching out. But I think the best, I, this is my own opinion, but I think the best thing to do is to offer to help, help them and mutually help each other. And, and I've, I've actually been pleasantly surprised in the entrepreneurial world, you know, coming from 20 years in corporate, yeah. I've been really pleasantly surprised about the, um, the camaraderie that I've come across in entrepreneurs in just in general. Um, it's, it's not as competitive. I thought it would be actually more competitive because corporate's competitive, you know? So I thought entrepreneurs, you know, if you have two speakers speaking on gender, you know, they're, they're competitors, you know, two speakers on EQ, they're competitors. That's not what I've experienced at all. You know, you, uh, another author who may be in the same space as you, you're actually collaborative, not competitive. Yeah. And that was, that was a key learning for me and a key mindset shift act frankly I'm mean, just being very honest is is coming out of corporate I, I you know I was kind of in that competitive mindset and that's I, I've been very pleased with <laughs> uh, the, the fact that that's not it at all um, you're not the first person I've heard this from it this idea that uh, coming from corporate you do have that sort of more competitive mindset and then you're like I, I actually remember posting in Dory Clark's group saying hey who wants to chat and one of the people that finally responded to me, so she didn't at first because she was like, what does this guy want? Like, why is he wasting his time? Wait, wait, maybe he's selling something. Oh, wait, he really just wants to like get to know me. <laughs> and she was like working through these stages of disbelief around like, what, well, why? And then, you know, getting to know me, she started to see the value of that and started to apply it. And it's just like, it is a really big change, I think, from where you were. It's, it's good that you sort of seeing that. And one of the things that I think you're going to love about the conference you're going to is the guy who founded it, Cabot Robert, was really a big believer on the idea that there's, there's not a limited amount of pie, that we are always creating a bigger pie. And mm-hmm. it's a very abundant philosophy. And so 
you know, even with the speakers, if you're, you're not going to get invited back to that conference, to that, you know, speak at that event two years in a row. So you might as well know other people in your field who you can recommend. Um, so it's that pay it forward kind of philosophy. And I, I true really value seeing that. It's a way I like to live. And it's wonderful seeing that in the world around us. So I love this idea that the best way to stay connected is to offer some kind of value or support. Um, when you're, when you're doing this, do you, do you try to ever organize dinners or socials or gatherings or, you know, um, salons, I don't know, or something. <laughs> you know, your, your questions are so, so pertinent for where I'm at right now. That's funny. Um, we didn't work on the side ahead of time, you know, but, um, so I attended an event a few weeks ago and a new networking event that I've not been to. And it was about peer having peer groups. So there's a CEO peer group and, um, a trusted advisor group, you know? So, so this, um, this gentleman I know, this colleague puts on these groups. And so I attended as a guest. And out of that, there was a few women at my table that I was just meeting, just meeting for the first time. And we were talking about my book and my research. And they suggested to me, they go, Sean, why don't you create a women's peer group? And I have not considered that, but I think it's a great idea. So I reached out to the the um, the man in charge of you know the other groups and I said hey what do you think of this idea I would love to brainstorm with you about it and he he shot back and said I would love to support you in this you can even use my my brand because he's been established for 20 years at this you could use my brand to even launch this women's peer group wow this live you know so we would meet monthly or quarterly however it looks and it would be professional women coming together to talk about everything, you know, about their careers and career advancement. Uh, so a career peer group. And I think it's a fantastic idea. And, and it's just, wow. yeah, it's, it's, it's a new avenue that I haven't explored, but it's perfect for me because it's, it's a live format. It's meeting people face to face. It's, you know, we can meet monthly and it's, it's a women's peer group. That's great. And, and I can imagine that, um, that peer space is a great place to start. You'll be supporting each other. People are getting to know what you can offer. You'll find referrals to different speaking opportunities. You might find coaching clients through that. But of course, going in, you're just like, how can I add value? How can I be supportive? You know, just by being there and the knowledge you have, you know, you can help other people um, articulate the journey that they're on, if nothing else. And they're going to find that really valuable and you're going to learn from them. So what a fantastic thing to, to step up to do. And now you've got someone who's going to even help you kind of get it kicked off and a space to attract people. Congratulations. That's, that's, like, that's like a kudos to you, really like great kind of momentum for the business that you're in. When, did you, when do you think your business started? Like what's, when's the, what's the year that you feel is like your business, like, you know, you put a stake in the ground and this was the the path yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another, another great, great question because I have a, a specific example to give you is, so I was, what started me on this journey I'm on is I was, some, you know, I was in corporate 22 years. I was laid off. So my company at the time, my pharma company got acquired by another pharma company, which is common. And as a result of that, they had a massive workforce reduction. And so 3000 people 
were laid off. Well, wow. I was one, I was in that group. So I got laid off uh, at the end of 2014 and I job searched for a few months and I was really frustrated with the process. You know, and nowadays, uh, you know, and I have a pretty stellar resume like, like many people do out there. I, you know, you send a mid resume, I wasn't getting callbacks. I wasn't hearing back from anyone, no response. So I was really frustrated with just, you know, the, just the way it is now. And so I made a conscious decision. I remember waking up one day, um, I think it was March of 2015. I remember waking up and thinking, I am going to stop putting my effort into the job search. And I'm going to start putting my effort into, in my energy into building my own business because I'd never tried it. And Mm. so that it was actually a turn that, that mind shift was a turning point for me because I have not gone back. I, I, I put away my resumes. I put away, you know, all my recruiter information and I took it away. And I thought I have to put energy. I have to try this. Yeah. You put energy into my own business because I've never done it. And so here I am, I'm in year four. And so that was, uh, you know, that was, that was year one for me in 2015 and I'm in year four and it's, it's just been a slow, you know, slow build. But yeah, I did make a con- I made a conscious decision one day to do it. Well, it also sounds like you've done quite a bit in the in the few years that you've had it a business in a way that you know you thought of it as a business, but clearly you're drawing on your experience, um, all of your efforts, your schooling, you know, your passion for the topic. Um, I, I'm I'm really excited to to see what comes next for you, which is actually my my favorite question, my wrap up question, which is. You know, we're reconnecting a year from now at the next NSA conference. <laughs> and I'm asking you, hey, how was your year, Sean? What are we celebrating? So tell me, what are we going to be celebrating a year from now? Uh, we will be celebrating that I will be keynoting the, some of the biggest conferences. Wow. Do it. Big conferences and big organizations will be inviting me in to keynote and I'll be giving keynotes to large audiences. I think your topic is so timely and I think you're going to be doing exactly that. And you'll, we can say we were lucky enough to have Sean on the show back then. <laughs> this is fantastic. How can people find you and follow your work? So the best way to find me is my website. Uh, it's drshawnandrews.com. Uh, there's no period there, just drshawnandrews.com. Uh, and on the website I have, I, I've actually another conscious effort, but I, I've, um, Again, because I have a training background and I want things to be usable and practical, I have uh, tons of resources for, for folks, tons of free resources. So there's there's um, webcasts, there's articles, there's videos, there's podcast interviews. Um, so a number of things that folks can access. And then they can also find out more about me and then my topics that I talk on. And then I also... I lead training workshops as well on um, leadership, gender, emotional intelligence, unconscious bias, and diversity and inclusion. So those those are kind of the, the space I live in. Yeah. So that's that's probably the best way to reach me and contact me. So great. We're going to have a link to your website on our show notes, and we'll also have your Twitter and your LinkedIn and uh, your Facebook page so people can sort of find you and follow your work in all those spaces. Um, that'll be at ontheschmooze.com. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Robbie. It's been fun. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Sean. Such a pleasure to speak with her and learn about her leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 109. 
That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode with Sean, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review on iTunes. It's easy to find our iTunes page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance. I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talent professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.